0: Hello, everybody. It's Keith. Help support the Northeast Scene and declare yourself a member today. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast medium of choice. Rate us and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It has every podcast episode plus other exclusive content. Like and leave a comment. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TheNEScene. Also, continue to write us at northeastscene at gmail.com. We want to share your experiences as well. And now, here's the show. Everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith and Tommy, and we're back. Did you think we were going to leave? No, 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 as Tommy would say, no, <laughs> we're here, we're here again, and we're excited tonight to bring you Jesse Dano of Ed Gain and Shadow Snakes and Recess Coffee in Syracuse. He's been around. He's done it all. He's seen it all. And we're going to hear about it tonight on the show.
1: Any drums for All Else Failed sometimes?
0: Yeah, he was on the European tour with uh, Boy Sets Fire. Yeah. He's done everything. That's everything I want to do. Open a business and play in three really good bands. That's
1: it. It's going to be fun. I was actually listening to Ed Gain today, like kind of to just like prep up for it. And it was like, I forgot... That there were so many bands at that time that there like there was bands I just latched on to. And I knew who Ed Gain was. And actually, I remember, I think I saw them because I remember this. Do you remember there was a band from Philly called Hydnick, Yes. Who was another serial killer name. And I remember <laughs> seeing the bill being like, that's weird. Ed Gain and Heidnik? Is there like a Dahmer or like some other serial killer that goes on this one? That's a I, I just remember seeing that. I had to ask them if that was uh if, if I'm misremembering that or not.
0: Imagine Heidnik, Ed Gain and Apartment two thirteen all on the same bill. Apartment <laughs> two thirteen was Dahmer's apartment number.
1: Yeah, it was also um the room number in the shining.
0: Yeah, Edgain is also. I I always heard that name around back in the day, and I know I saw them at a at a Hellfest or something like that. They're good. Yeah, they're good. I really really like the band. So he's in Shadow Snakes now.
1: Yes, that has the dude that used to sing for Breather Resist
0: steve sindoni
1: yes okay so they're if, so
0: good if it's you like yeah it's like if you're into like noisy kind of post hardcore with a hardcore edge type stuff which yes. is right up my alley yeah it's so good
1: it is really good. I, and Breather Resist had a. I don't remember how many songs were on it, six or seven, but it came out on Death Wish, I think in 2003 or 2004. If you haven't heard Breather Resist, go check them out. Really, really great shit. Like they're the really, album really, with
0: great. the red cover. Rem- yes. Rem- yeah, that one is so good.
1: They're really good. And it's like, I. there's not much that that band made that I didn't like. Every time I heard something from them, I was like, that's really fucking good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like the best parts of Coalesce with the best parts of coalesce.
1: Yeah, they have a very uh <laughs> if you like dead guy, uh, that yeah. kind of heaviness but like noise, like it's it's very much that same thing. So,
0: yeah. And folks, all these wonderful bands that we're mentioning are available on the Northeast Scene 2021 Spotify playlist. Go check it out. Most of the songs we mention at random, I throw on the playlist and all of our guests are on there too as long as they're on spotify so go check it out you can hear everything we're talking about yeah it's going to be that's so cool cuz like once you hear something
1: on there you can be like oh i'll
0: just go fucking listen to that on spotify that yes.
1: did you put hurl on spotify
0: no. Are well, they
1: on Spotify? I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, Hurl is a band that Jerome's dream mentioned and they are really good. I as soon as I heard it I was like Tommy is going to love this. Yeah, I that's right up my alley. Like
1: that's yeah. that's like right that, that's exactly what I want to hear when I hear music like that. So, uh yeah, it's going to be a great show tonight. Here's my thing. How are you today? Me?
0: I'm actually in a great mood. Yes. It was a low pressure day. The work that I had to do, I set out to do and I finished it. I know exactly what I have to do this week. I'm on schedule. This weekend coming up, I have nothing to do, so I'm just going to OD on video games. Like, I'm in a great mood, and folks, big, big news in the world of Keith and Tommy. Tommy and I were reunited this past weekend in Philadelphia and Bucks County after not seeing each other since March of 2020 when we recorded the first four episodes of the podcast in Center City, Philadelphia, and wow. It was, a, it was a great time. Like, I hadn't been to Tommy's house since, I think I dropped you off from a, a Mariakis party in 2017. Yeah. And I came inside for a second and, like, said hi to the girls. Yeah. But I hadn't been there since then. And that was four years ago. Yeah,
1: the girls were, like, little, little, like, when you came in. Because I remember you saying something like, oh, like, they came, because, like, when you came in the house, you were like, oh, they're, like, kids now. Like, they weren't, like, toddlers that were like, ba, and then you go here, and then... Like, they make sense. Like, you can talk to them and give them directions.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it was so interesting being in Tommy's house. I went downstairs. I was like, where do you record the podcast? And he's like, right here. And it's just this little table in front of the couch. And I'm like, this is where you do it? like And then seeing, like, Tommy's kids and their individual personalities and and the whole family dynamic, it was great. Oh, and best of all, like... I would catch glimpses of the Costco logo in in different things in the house. He had, like, a brochure in there, and then he had, like, a a coupon page in there or something, and I would be like, oh, there it is. And we actually... Well, we were down there to see some friends and take care of some show business, Mm. so we spent a little time in Philadelphia, and uh, we saw our friend Mike, and then we saw Doug from Ecstatic Vision, and Tommy... Maybe we'll wait until the end segment to talk about Doug's house because I it, I it was an incredible sight. So that's a whole separate story. And then we went back to Tommy's house. We were hanging out. We were playing Wii Party with the kids, and uh, we got into a deep conversation about addiction and sobriety and like where the line is. Oh, like yeah. for example, like if you if you do a lot of drugs, and then you just stop. Like, you're not an addict, because you can stop, right? But if yeah. you keep doing drugs and you can't stop, then you're an addict, right? So we we were talking about Tommy and, you know, it, like how he goes to Costco, and he says he likes to buy a lot of things, right? Like, he needs to have a lot of things because he can't run out. And I was like, okay, so is that an addict thing, or is that a preparation thing? And then he we determined... What did we determine that it was a preparation thing, right? In the case of you?
1: Yeah, but it also does. It, it. OK. So it straddles this weird line in that I always expect that we have an extra of something. Milk runs out. There's more in the refrigerator downstairs. Ice tea runs out. There's more in the refrigerator downstairs. Out of butter downstairs. Like everything should have a backup. And as soon as the backup is used, the backup should be replaced
0: wow yeah so we were we were talking about that and then it segway tommy segways and he's like and that's why i like costco because you go and there's a lot of stuff and you know you buy a large quantity and it's cheap and this helps maintain the backup of the backup lifestyle of tommy so we went deep on tommy psychology and tommy lore (laughs) and how it ties into costco and i have to say i was riveted honestly
1: it's and i I actually, I I, like, I made dinner tonight and I was a little disappointed in myself. I went downstairs to go get vegetables out of the freezer and I was like, we're going to make peas and corn and then we'll have like, uh, something else on the side, like zucchini or squash or something like that. And I went downstairs and there was no corn and I was (laughs) like, I I was like, oh no, like, uh, I, okay. So my first move is like Kelly and I have one of those notes. That, like, you know, you put on your phone that, sh- that we share. Yeah. And so, like, we have a constant list going. So I went right on to the Costco list and put bagged corn. Like, frozen, oh, you love frozen that.
0: Corn. I do. I really do. I'm envisioning a, like, a live segment that we record where we go to Costco and you, like, show me around <laughs> and how to shop there and stuff.
1: That's the other part that, and I, I tried to explain this to Keith. It's, like, shopping at Costco is frustrating and fun. If you have a lot of time, Costco is fun if you don't it's a pain in the ass because they do this thing where they reorient everything in the store. Now there's things that gets like stay in the same place all the time. Like they can't move the fucking freezer section, right? But like if you're looking for like AAA
0: batteries, like they fucking move them every other week. Oh yeah, and Tommy told me they call it the Costco Treasure Hunt. It it sounds more like the Keith is annoyed shopping experience.
1: <laughs> it, it is generally a, a I, I do get frustrated with it, and I what I what my solution to it is I always just look for someone who works there and just go, excuse me, excuse me, where are AAA batteries? And then they tell me, hey, it's in aisle 17B. And I go, okay, thank you. In my head, I'm going, like, how the fuck did they memorize that? Because they change that shit all the fucking time.
0: Well, we're out of time. This has been another episode of the Costco Podcast with Keith <laughs> and Tom. <laughs> no, uh, join us again after we speak to Jesse. We'll recap some more of the trip and talk about... Doug from Ecstatic Vision's incredible house that we visited. It's going to be a blast, so stick around. Now we're going to talk to Jesse Dano. Enjoy. All right, folks, we're here now with Jesse Dano. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So how is it going today?
2: Today's going good, man. It's, uh, you know, a good Monday, back to work. I was in Buffalo over the weekend very underrated city.
0: You know, I haven't been there before. What were you doing there?
2: Uh, I had a tennis tournament. Oh, really? You played yeah. tennis? Yeah. How long have you been playing tennis? Uh, maybe a little over 10 years. Wow. wow. Did yeah. you play in high school and stuff? Like, Is no. that how you got into it? No, I took it up late in life. I played baseball through high school.
1: How did you get into tennis? That's like one of those things that, like, I always see around my house. Like, they have those like little signs. It kind of looks like a real estate sign that says "house for sale," but it always says "learn to play tennis." I'm
2: like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't. I always loved the sport, so I just started, just started playing it and got wicked into it. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: that's really cool. So, how did the tournament go?
2: It went well. We ended up losing to Buffalo, but we beat Binghamton, so it was a lot of fun.
0: I mean, if I lost to Buffalo, I'd be happy if I at least beat Binghamton.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: You got to beat the smaller city. (laughs) So Jesse, are you from, are you from upstate New York? Is that like where you spent your childhood and everything?
2: Yeah. I'm, I grew up in a place called Central Square, which is about a half an hour North of Syracuse. I always went to, if I played lacrosse in high school. So
1: we always had tournaments. Like that was like the place to go was like Buffalo, Syracuse, Binghamton, any of the SUNY schools, <laughs> that's where we ended up sitting there,
2: just sitting there for five hours a day. Yeah, my business partner uh, played lacrosse growing up.
0: So tell us about your upbringing a little bit. Was it a typical suburban-type deal?
2: Uh, yeah, it was more of a country upbringing. I grew oh. up kind of in the middle of the woods, which was really nice, but could get boring. It got a lot better once I had a vehicle. I could kind of go where I wanted.
0: Did you have any other kids around you or were you just like kind of isolated in the woods?
2: No, we had some kids around us. We had a, you know, really, really big block and I had a bunch of kids my own age on that block. And those are the dudes I actually started playing music with when I was around 14 or 15. Ah,
0: so in addition to music, it sounds like you grew up an athlete as well.
2: I don't know if I'd say an athlete, but I did play a lot of sports. See,
0: to me, that's an athlete because <laughs> I think it goes one way or the other, like me, I was strictly a video game and art and music guy, but uh at least in my experience, the sports player slash musician is more rare,
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it goes hand in hand with drumming, though you know it's physical, oh is yes. your body moving, yeah, it takes coordination, that kind of yep. yeah. So, uh, well,
0: tell us about your musical history a little a little bit. What were you into and how did you segue into punk and the more extreme music?
2: Uh, sure. So my childhood friend and I were super into Metallica. We hung out with some older kids that were into Metallica and Megadeth. And that's kind of what got us started. And then I started hanging out with this kid named Jamie Coyle, who was a drummer for a band called Contempt, and he played for another victim, too, for a little while. And he's the one that brought us into like, getting into hardcore and Syracuse bands and going to shows and stuff.
0: When did you start going to shows in Syracuse? Were you there for like the Straight Edge heyday?
2: Uh, maybe a little after that. I think it was probably 98, okay. maybe 97 when I started going to shows. Tell us about some of the first bands
0: you got into when you were uh, discovering hardcore.
2: Sure. So the first hardcore band I ever listened to and saw live was Earth Crisis, which probably isn't a huge surprise.
0: <laughs> yes, that's like a Syracuse rite of passage.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. so Earth Crisis was definitely number one for a really long time. And then, you know, bands like Turmoil, All Else Failed kind of started slipping in. Ah, uh, yes. And, uh, there was a compilation. Do you guys remember a compilation called Ourselves? I think that's yes. what Yes. Yeah. Yes. Dude, that's what got me into like coalesce and converge and fall silent music like that.
0: Man, that comp is legendary. There's, like, so much good stuff on it. So, uh, what, was there, like, a first show or experience that really hooked you on the music, Jesse?
2: Yeah, the first show that I remember, it was One King Down, Candyria, and Earth Crisis. Oh, my God. Yeah, it yeah. was unreal. That, <laughs> that would sell me, like, easily. <laughs> easily. Oh, my
0: God. I would see all three of those bands today if they were on a show. <laughs> How did you start playing in bands? Like how did you decide that that was something you wanted to do?
2: I really really love drumming. I started drumming probably when I was about 14. Um took it wicked wicked seriously. Our first band, we were more kind of like Metallica kind of punk and then we slowly turned into more of a hardcore band. The more we got into hardcore, we just took it super super seriously and like that was really our lives when we were younger.
1: Did you take lessons like at school or did you go to private lessons or did you part of the band at school? Like, how did you like when you say you take it seriously? Like, what did you do?
2: No, we didn't do anything like that. But what I used to do, I would practice every day. And what I used to do, I used to put um, ankle weights on my wrists and my ankles <sighs> when I would practice. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, you know, that was, you know, we're in the middle of the woods with no vehicles or anything. So. That's really cool. That's a great idea. It's like, uh, you know, like baseball players, when they warm up, they put that yeah. donut, they
1: put the donut on their bat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> were you thinking of music in terms of a career?
2: Were you like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? When I was younger, I didn't really think about it as a career. But when Ed Gein was touring as much as we were and getting really serious, I definitely wanted it to be my career. I was really hoping to transfer into being a professional drummer someday.
0: So tell us about the beginning of Ed Gein. Now that band, I always heard that name back in the day and I caught you guys, uh, I guess it was around 2002 somewhere in um, maybe the Hellfest or something.
2: So we were in a band, you know, me and the two other guys from Ed Gein, we were in a band before that called Beyond Fall, local Syracuse band we played constantly. And me and the two other guys were the most serious dudes in the band. Like we wanted to keep going. We wanted to go on tour. We wanted to practice all the time. So when Beyond Fall broke up, me and the other guys just started a new band. Ed Gein, we didn't want to have a singer just because we used to kind of have bad luck with singers. So the three of us decided to just sing ourselves. And we-
0: What kind of bad luck?
2: Oh, well, you know, just one time we had a singer not show up for a show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we had another singer that, you know, they just were never as dedicated. They wouldn't come to practice as often. Right. You know, which is a big deal when you're like 16 or 17, you know, and that's... Oh, yeah, it's your whole world.
0: Tell us a little bit about Ed Gein. So we have the new band, right? We're starting it up. We're playing, right? Tell us about uh, the trajectory. How did you see things start picking up? And what what was some of your experience?
2: Sure. So we would practice a lot. We ended up playing a lot in Syracuse and a lot, you know, within four hours, New York City or Philly or Wilkes-Barre, places like that. And uh when it really changed for us we played that the Hellfest we played two Hellfests but the Hellfest with the DVD the one at the state fair I don't remember yes. what year that was yeah we ended up on that DVD and like that that was huge for us we were able to get a bunch of tours after that and then we just toured nonstop
0: Who are some of the bands you toured with what what are some of the like memorable tours for you
2: Most memorable one was we did The full United States, two times in a row, the closest we got to home was Cleveland. The Mm -hmm. first time we did it with Breathe or Resist, and then the second time we did it with All Else Failed, which, Ah. yeah, I absolutely love both of those bands, so that was unreal.
0: That's legendary. All Else Failed, uh, we are very vocal proponents of, and Breathe or Resist, too. An amazing band. That's one band I really wish I would have caught back in the day.
2: Yeah, we were fortunate to play with them quite a bit. Our first ever full U.S. tour... We had our van or maybe it was our first or second. We had our van stolen on a full US tour once. I think we were maybe with the minor times and breather resist. That one was pretty memorable. How where did you where did your van get stolen? Uh Columbus, Ohio. We went into a Walmart to buy a bunch of waters and when we came out our van was gone. Did you get it back? We ended up getting it back with our equipment, but the merch and the merch money were uh We're in the van, and they were no longer uh, with us when we got the stuff back. Oh, man.
0: How do you recover from something like that? Do you just have to, like, not
2: really eat for a couple days until you play a couple more shows? Oh, man. We weren't really eating that that much. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it was rough. It was really rough. Luckily, you know, we got the equipment back fairly quick because we were super active then. Uh, I, don't, I honestly don't know what we would have done if we didn't get the equipment back. We finished the tour out using the other band's gear, and I think we ended up having it back pretty quick after that. Luckily,
0: that's good. Yeah, isn't isn't it incredible? Like what you can endure as a younger person. You know, you can sleep in the van. You cannot sleep. You cannot eat. You cannot shower, and you can just. Travel across the entire country playing music, and it's like, oh yeah, this is cool. Now, <laughs> if I miss one meal, I'm like, I have to take two weeks off from work.
2: Got I used to eat <laughs> cans of beans for dinner back <laughs> on tour. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
0: was that a standard meal? I did a couple tours with uh This Day Forward. I was selling merch for them. Our thing was Taco Bell. We would always eat Taco Bell because that, you know, everyone could eat vegans, vegetarians, and you know, meat eaters.
2: Yeah. No, we, we did Taco Bell. We ended up doing a lot of Denny's, too, once we were actually making a little more money at the shows.
0: <laughs> That's like the step up. It's like, yeah. gentlemen, we're going to Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Gein was around for like, I guess you guys were around till like 2005 or so, right?
2: No, I mean, we officially broke up just a couple of years ago. Really? We were, yeah, we were super, super active until about, 2006 2007 that's when I got involved with the business you know then we just weren't active but we never officially broke up we did play a couple shows throughout the years after that but never really toured or anything
0: I see so you didn't break up it was just a period of inactivity
2: yeah I think all three of us just got pretty burned out we were touring constantly did you decide
0: to start the business after the band slowed down or did it kind of happen in conjunction
2: no, it happened in conjunction. So I was living with my buddy, Adam, at the time. And uh, he told me that he was going to buy a coffee shop. And I was like, oh, man, I'll I'll work for you. I love coffee. You know, I'm straight edge. I That's what I do on tour. I find coffee shops and I hang out there all day. And he wanted me to be his business partner instead. So we talked it over. And, you know, the coffee shop was for sale for wicked cheap. And we figured we'd buy it and run it as like a hobby business for four or five years and just have something for fun to do in between tours. But after about a year of running the business, we went on tour in Europe and then we did another U.S. tour and it, it was terrible. Like I was just thinking about the business the entire time and it was so much work that it was not worth it to run it as a hobby business. And I liked it so much more than being on tour at the time.
0: So you decided you wanted to do the business more instead of the band?
2: Yeah, yeah. It was a conscious decision.
0: And of course, we're talking about Recess Coffee in yes. Syracuse. So you guys have been open since 2007?
2: Yeah, my business partner and I officially took it over in November 2006, and we had a grand opening January 4th, 2007. That's a successful
0: business. That's like 2007 to 2021. Tommy, you're good at math. How many years is that? I don't know, like 13, 14 years. Wow. Yeah, like 14 years. Are you guys like a Syracuse fixture by this point?
2: Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a weird thing to answer. But I, I guess, you know, we're we're pretty well known here. We have three retail locations and uh, we have a headquarters that we do our production out of and we have a permanent stand at the state fair. Well, oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, that sounds like big time. Like, what is your role now? You're uh, an owner, yes?
2: Yeah, yep. So like,
0: what do you have to do on a day to day basis? Do you have to like, go to the stores and check on stuff? Do you have to hire and fire people tell us about what you're involved with
2: so it's not too much anymore we have a really really good management team which i'm very thankful for so my business partner and i kind of just watch over the big picture stuff and you know i manage wholesale and things like that you know there's certain things that i'm directly responsible for but we try to let the management team really control the day-to-day stuff and you said you have a building where you're like
0: creating coffee
2: yeah our headquarters where we do all our roasting yeah, and we, we have a little bakery here and some offices. And uh, Graham from Ed Gein, he is our head roaster. And Aaron from Ed Gein prints all our t-shirts and stuff still. So. How do you,
1: uh, so like when you go to, to actually do like, the, you know, the production part of it, do you have to like literally wait on like shipments to come in from like boats? Like you're like, oh, well, there's a boat coming from such and such a place. Or like, how do you buy coffee like wholesale like that to go then sell?
2: So what we do, we'll contract out a bunch of coffee with um, the different importers we work with. We'll try to contract it out for six months at a time. And they get the coffee from whatever origin country. And it usually is in a warehouse in New Jersey. So when we get it, you know, we can get it within a week from when we actually want it released to us. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's like you have a you have a definite supply line that comes in, and you can be like, oh yeah, like well, in the next three weeks we're going to be authoring. You know, we have Ethiopian blend, but that's how like you can literally kind of work week to week in terms of what you're going to bring in in terms of supply.
2: Yeah, yeah. Usually we'll order like once every two weeks, you know, from different importers. So we have a pretty steady standing order with everybody, but we could you know fill it in whenever we need to with more coffee or more things, but. We, you know, we've been around so long, we kind of know what we're going to go through every month.
0: How do you learn, like, the whole business angle? Is it just being around it for so long? I mean, you start with one shop. How do you know when it's time to expand? That was tough
2: because, um, you know, I dropped out of college. My business partner never went to college. We have no background in business. Mm-hmm. We just did everything as organically as we could. And honestly, I think living, you know, as a band member for so long, living so, you know, with no money at all, putting in so much work into a hobby and not really getting too much out of it, except enjoyment. That kind of really set us up in the beginning because we couldn't pay ourselves for years and years and we didn't have employees for four years either. So it was just my business partner and myself and we'd rotate a day off every other week. Wow. Yeah.
0: Do you get really run down doing that?
2: Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was, I was young. I was like 24 or something. I think I just turned 24 when we started it. So I was still pretty young and, uh, you know, decent work ethic from going on tour and you know, it's still, it was really fun. It was really nice just being home, not having to worry about going on tour constantly and just having one thing to focus on. I don't know. It was, it was really, really fun in the old days because like for the first two years, it was kind of more like a clubhouse.
0: Yeah, because it's probably smaller, your friends are coming over mostly, right? Everyone's hanging out, drinking coffee, you're making a couple bucks. Exactly. I think that's incredible, though, to be 24 years old and start a business and be that dedicated to the business. Because when I was 24, like, the only thing I was getting started with was, like, my ultimate (laughs) (laughs) self-destruction.
2: Yeah, I mean... You know, Adam and I—Adam's my business partner. We're we're very stubborn people. We're, We're we're very stubborn. We probably should have shut the doors a million times, but you know, we just kept it going and persevered. I guess. And I
0: think that's what it takes to be successful at these types of things, like the podcast, for example. This, you know, it it ended up being a weekly show, so every single week we put up an hour and a half to two hour show, and it takes a lot of work. And you know, I work a full time job on top of this because obviously the podcast is not paying my rent yet, (laughs) but I'm determined. Like this is, this is like my life. I love this. I love doing it. I love putting it together. And I'm like, I'm I'm just going to keep doing this. I don't know until I don't like it anymore, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it was for the business for us. Cause it was, you know, I wasn't really doing music anymore, but that was the creative outlet. You know, I was, I was roasting coffee. I was interacting with customers. You know, I had, I still had a creative outlet to really focus on.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. And so are you good with roasting? Like, do you do that stuff with the beakers and like, I don't know, like all the all the crazy coffee stuff that I see where it looks like a chemistry set?
2: No, we don't do any of that. Um, That's usually for brewing stuff. Graham, though, the roaster, he has been to school a few times and knows, you know, the coffee roasting, the scientific process in and out now.
0: I would be interested to try that. That's like, you know, it would be like trying cocaine directly from (laughs) Colombia. It's like the real stuff. Like here, we've got it to its finest point.
1: I have a a question for you, Jesse. How do you take your coffee?
2: Uh, So in the mornings, I usually will have an espresso. And then around nine in the morning, I'll just have a black drip.
0: See, that's how you know you're legit. Because if you said, oh, a little cream, a little sugar, I'd be like, all right, interview over. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's i actually it's funny i bought this thing i guess about i don't even think i showed it to you keith i just i have a curry I get at my house so like i make coffee early in the morning before i go to the skate park or before i go to work and stuff um and that kind of like suffices for until i get to work and i can actually like you know somebody like buys coffee or makes a big pot or something like that but i bought this thing like i guess about a year and a half ago uh and it fits inside a mason jar so i can do the cold brew at home and uh, my wife always laughs. She's like, you know, you bought this like thing to like make coffee and you just dump like garbage coffee from Costco in there. (laughs) She's like, you don't even make nice coffee. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I always just think about, I like the bitterness of coffee. Like, I think that's kind of something that's always kind of resonated with me. Like, Oh, I like this. Like, I like the way it kind of, I like the way it feels like when I drink it, like not even just like the, the re like the reaction I get from like, Oh, I get a little bit of energy. Like, um, I kind of like that. Like almost like when people drink whiskey or scotch, like that burn that you kind of get in your mouth. I like when it's really bitter. So always like, I can't drink this. Like, this is so gross. How do you even deal with it? And I'm like, I love it. I guess I think I learned how to do it. Like, I learned to appreciate it, but
2: I don't drink nice coffee. Uh, Tommy, I'll send you some coffee. I'll send you some <laughs> coffee with <we're> drinking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like nice coffee, but I can drink shitty coffee, too, as long as I have some. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But I buy, like, fairly nice stuff. I don't know. It's uh, And I make it in a regular coffee pot at home. How do you guys feel about iced coffee? It doesn't really work on me. And unless I go with one of the crazy cold brews, but those crack me out too much, so i don't I don't really mess with them.
2: Ah, uh, see cold brew is much better. iced coffee when you take hot brewed coffee and you make it iced, it heat shocks the coffee and it'll make it a little bitter. so that's why when you get cold brew, it's like the acid in the coffee makes it taste a lot more smooth and more like chocolatey notes. Actually, it's funny. I didn't know
1: this when I was making that like when I was making the cold brew coffee. I found out that what I'm making is like the concentrate. And you're supposed to add water to it. <laughs> I didn't know that. So I'm like putting this thing in my refrigerator for like 36 hours. And I'm like, Oh, this is fucking really strong. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and somebody was like, you know, you're supposed to like filter that out and like put regular cold water in there. And I was like, really? Is that why it's so strong? You're like, yeah. Have you been drinking that straight? And I'm like, maybe <laughs> yeah, like I, I was always kind of disappointed i would pour the like you know i'd pill like a. Uh, I had that like metal filter that goes in the mason jar and i'd pull it out and i'm like well it's only like halfway full so i'll just drink half the mason jar and then i would wonder
0: why i'm like shaking
2: like <laughs> this, this, this <laughs> probably so much caffeine
0: <laughs> jesse did you take a hit during the pandemic did you have to shut down the shops
2: oh we did yeah it was it was rough man um We, you know, a lot of our employees were frightened, which makes perfect sense. You know, they were the people facing the customers. So, you know, every week in New York, I'm I'm sure, Keith, you were probably seeing this. The governor would put out, you know, a statement every week and all the rules would change and the laws would change. So we were just trying our best to keep up with everything. And we ended up having to shut down for a little while. And what we did, it was just my business partner and myself and our general manager at the time running, you know, one of the three locations the best we could. And uh, then we'd reopen and then somebody would get sick and we'd have to close down again. And yeah, it was really tough to navigate through.
0: So it was basically just closing down and reopening based on the rule set and who got sick and who didn't.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: And you were down to one location?
2: Yeah, yeah. We ended up, we just opened our third location right before the pandemic. So, you know, terrible timing. So we shut that one down and then we shut our downtown location down because, you know, downtown was fairly dead here. And we just we could not get the staff to work. You know, we, we just weren't able to. So we just kept our original flagship location open, which is in the Westcott neighborhood, which is a really hip neighborhood in Syracuse. And we just my business partner and I just ran that the best we could.
0: So when you have another location just sitting there, are you like hemorrhaging money? Yes. That sucks. i couldn't imagine that's why that's one of those things like keith
1: i know that you have said that before like that's like an ideal thing you want your own business but like i feel like i would go to bed every night and i wouldn't go to bed like exactly i would, I would sit there and go oh my god i have a location open that i'm paying rent on that i'm having i have insurance for that i have costs and it's like i would just I would be panicking, like, and I, I know I'm probably making it worse for you, Jesse. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I realize as I'm saying this, I'm like just describing what you went through, and I, I, yeah. I feel terrible. But at this, at the same time, that's one of those things. I had a, a friend at work. I, I'm a math teacher, and she was like, "Hey, we should start our own company where we come up with our own curriculum that can kind of help with kids that are like deficient in specific skills." And I was like, "Okay." like, that sounds cool. Like as a part-time thing, like we'll kind of like figure it out. And sh- her thing was like, no, like I want to go full bore with this. And I was like, well, good luck with that. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Godspeed, uh, uh, enjoy yourself. But I, I have a mortgage and, and three kids, so I'm not going to throw caution to the wind and just be like, yeah, i I hope this thing works. Like I always have the, the utmost admiration for people that run their own business. So it, I, I really, it, I truly appreciate what you do.
2: Oh, thank you. I mean, it definitely can be really tough. And last year was ridiculous, but mostly it's it's super rewarding. You know, you can make your own schedule. You have people relying on you for their livelihood. It's It's a pretty awesome feeling when you're doing it.
0: Do you ever sit up at night unable to sleep like Tommy mentioned?
2: No, I definitely used to. We also opened a deli. Right, You know, separate from recess, right before the pandemic hit, too, and uh, took out a massive loan for that. And same thing, we had to shut down. And we're still, we're trying to recover from that one. We're only open five days a week right now at that place. So that one definitely cut me up a lot. Yeah, I'm just
0: curious, because like, even just running this podcast, my brain will do this thing where it's like you started up like a lawnmower, and you just can't turn it off. Like, I'll envision whole interviews or things I have to do, and I'm just laying there in bed like... I'm never going to get to sleep. I can't <laughs> shut down.
2: Yeah, no, I, I could relate to that. Things are a lot better now, but they, you know, I could definitely relate to that from last year. Do you have family? I do. Yeah, I have a fantastic family. My, You know, my parents, super, super supportive of, of my business and music, and I have a fantastic wife. I've been married for over a decade, and same thing. She's super supportive. Nice. Yeah, Any kids yet? Lucky. No kids, just a big dumb dog. No kids. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? A uh, German Shepherd.
1: Yes. That's it. Yo. So, my wife and I always talk about like, that's like when we get a dog. Uh, we have a dog right now, but like, we always want a big dog. And we, like, one of my best friends at work, uh, she got a German Shepherd. Like, actually, during the pandemic, she adopted a a, like, I think, three month old German Shepherd. And I constantly just bug her. And I'm like, can you do me a favor? can you send me some pictures of the dog, please? <laughs> she's like, why? And I'm like, I just think it's neat how big they get. And like the faces he makes are hilarious. Like it constantly looks like this dog is like legitimately listening
2: to what you're saying. Oh <laughs> yeah. They do that. They tilt their head and yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah. And
1: I'm always like, I'm so excited when she sends it to me. I'm like, this is so rad. Like this dog, <laughs> but uh, you know what kind of, uh, and I, this is just me being like a I'm not a clean freak. Keith can attest to this. He's been in my house. It's not the it's not the cleanest place in the
2: world. However, I hate dog hair. Oh, I dude, hate. it'll be everywhere. It's I everywhere. Can't.
1: Even if you like brush them a lot, oh, like I, that.
2: we brush them every day. Yeah, it's terrible, <sighs> especially in the winter. He's like constantly oh. shedding because they have two coats. They have an undercoat. Yeah, there's hair everywhere. All right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you're gonna have to deal with it, Tommy.
2: Yeah. It's worth it. It's worth it, Tommy. Maybe we'll get a standard poodle. <laughs>
0: Oh god!
1: (laughs) No, I think it's always like it's the funniest thing in the world. Is like the girls get uh, so I have twins that are uh, about to be eight in November, and we have a a girl that baby that's about to be two. And the the girls always lay on the couch with the dog. And then when we go to other people's houses, they're like, "I don't like their dog." I'm like, "Why?" And they're like, "It doesn't even smell like a dog. We have a hound dog, and she stinks like she." And the best, the, the most appro- people always go like, "Oh, I want a beagle," and I'm like, "Yeah, they're they're cute, they're adorable." Uh, you know, like if you get a mixed one, like they're you can get like kind of like a large size beagle or any of the hounds. The best way I can explain it is like they smell like if you open a bag of Fritos, they <laughs> okay. smell like the dog smells like corn chips. Like you can wash her on a th- like a Thursday, and by Saturday morning, she stinks again.
0: It wasn't unbearable, though. It was, like, normal dog smell. Because Tommy and his wife kept warning me about the dog's breath. And you know what really rank dog breath smells like, where you have to, like, turn away and clamp your nose. The dog wasn't like that. I didn't have that. She's got about eight
1: teeth left, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so the work is done. Nice. (laughs) Nice. So is there, an, is there ever any uh, punk crossover at the recess coffee shops? Did you ever have, like, shows there at some point or pump in some Ed Gain to shake up the customers?
2: Uh, we did in the old days. Um, I'm trying to remember who played. We had Bad Cops, I believe, play, an old Syracuse band. And I think Fuck the Facts, maybe, played in our basement once. Yeah. Yeah, we, we had a couple shows in the, you know, the really, really old days, but we kind of had to shut that down pretty quick. We have, you know it's in an old house and we have an apartment upstairs as an apartment. So that didn't work out too well. And, uh, you know, luckily we kind of ended up getting so busy with, you know, just normal people that having shows wasn't really feasible for us for too long.
0: Yeah. You know what? Now that you mentioned that, I think I remember seeing show listings with recessed coffee in Syracuse. I swear.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we probably had, Quite a few. I can only remember those two, but I wouldn't be surprised if we had at least four or five. In
0: 2019, you were part of the All Else Failed European tour.
2: I was. That was the best time I've ever had on tour.
0: So how do you get contacted to go on the tour? How, how does the
2: conversation go down, and how'd you feel? So, Luke called me out of the blue, and I haven't spoke to any of those guys in like 15 years. And <laughs> It's funny, like the second I see his name on my caller ID, I said, man, I wonder if he's going to ask me to play shows with them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. And at first I told him, man, I don't know. I don't really play drums that often anymore. I don't know if I could do it. But um, he was pretty adamant. He wanted me to try. And, uh, you know, I just started learning the songs. And then I went down there a few times to practice with the guys. It went well. I, uh, I definitely had to slow down quite a bit. I'm used to playing super, super fast, but yeah, it, it, went, it went really well going down there. And we just we practiced together maybe three or four times, and, and that was that.
0: It only took that many times to get the set down.
2: Well, with those dudes, I practiced in Syracuse probably 50 times, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it took me a bit. Because a lot of those songs were um, recorded by Chris Penny that I had to learn. And That was not super easy for me, so <laughs>
0: no that's uh those are big chops to live up to so how do you how do you do it? What is your process to sit there and learn those songs?
2: Well, I already knew the songs from listening to them often pretty well um Graham, you know the guy from Ed Gein, he helped learn the guitar part, so he would practice with me, and we did that a few times and i I practiced a few times on my own and I, it went pretty pretty well. The only song I had a problem with was 713, the very ending part. I didn't know what the hell was going on in that part, and I even reached out to Jimmy and I asked him, but then I, I figured it out before it got back to me. It just kind of clicked one day.
0: Yes, 173, and I was very happy to see that back in the set. So that means you played that show before they went on tour in Kung Fu Necktie.
2: Yes. Yes, we, was, were there. we were there. That was crazy. crazy. We saw you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How would I do? Was it all right? Oh, my oh God. It was, awesome. God. <laughs> it was yeah. great. Too fast. <laughs> no. No, that was crazy. Getting to play like Route 1 with All Else Failed in Philadelphia was I don't, it was a dream come true. It was awesome. You know,
0: I'm happy to hear you say that because that, that would be a dream come true for me because they are my favorite live band. I mean, yeah. seeing All oh, Else yeah. Failed in Philadelphia, nothing beats it.
2: No, I agree. I, I totally agree. Those guys in Fall Silent were my two favorite bands forever. So getting to play with them was was unbelievable.
0: Oh, that's great! And those shows over in Europe with Boy Sets Fire—they just looked massive. I oh, remember they're, they're the guys nuts. posting. Yeah, I remember the guys posting uh, videos from over there, and I was just like, "Oh my god, that's so awesome!"
2: Yeah, it was like we were playing a massive fest every single show. Like yeah. there, so many people there, and you know, we had food catered for us. We had backstage areas. We had showers. It was it was awesome.
0: Did anything crazy happen over there? Like, uh, I don't know, European bus theft or uh, <laughs> getting chased down the streets of Germany or anything like that?
2: No, nothing too crazy. We would, you know, it's pretty standard. We'd get to the shows, unload, do a sound check, and then like Luke and I and a couple other guys would go explore like a Christmas village or something and then <laughs> get back to the show and play. And that was, that was really it. It was pretty, pretty tame, but it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that sounds nice. So you mentioned before that you're straight edge. Are you lifelong straight edge?
2: Yeah, yeah, still straight edge, 38.
0: So how did you make the choice? Did the drinking lifestyle and all that stuff just never appeal to
2: you? No, it didn't. Um, You know, playing sports, you know, you weren't supposed to drink. And a lot of my, you know, my friends, older brothers were all super athletes, like track guys, and none of them drank. And then I saw Earth Crisis. and That was that. Ah, yes. (laughs) That'll do it. Yeah, I think I was like 15 or something when I claimed Straight Edge.
0: So were you you ever curious? Like, did you ever have a moment where you thought like, oh, maybe I should try to drink or something like that?
2: No, no.
0: I love that. I love just the possibility of never even thinking about it because, you know, I I got very curious and tried too much of everything for way too long. uh, And then I became Straight Edge by necessity. So also, you're currently playing in the band shadow snakes
2: yeah so when ed gein officially decided to stop we you know the three of us started a new band called shadow snakes and we added one more guitar player and then we actually got a singer this time so we're um playing with steve from breather resist he's singing for us
0: yes so we've got steve from the legendary breather resist on vocals we've got graham in the band graham reynolds from ed gein as well yes
2: yep Aaron Jenkins and uh, this guy Jay Bailey, who was in Architect, well, still in Architect.
0: Yes, and wow, this is a great band. We we were talking about this in the first segment. It's like a mix of post-hardcore and hardcore and just all that. It's right up our alley. We love oh, that nice. kind of Thank stuff. Thank you. Yeah,
2: yeah it's, it's a lot of fun. We're not super active. We only practice maybe once a week if we're lucky, and we've only played two shows. But, uh, you know, it's it's still a fun project. We're in the middle of recording right now. That'll come out someday. And hopefully we get to play some more live shows. Yeah, I mean, I would like to get to see you at some point. Yeah, we played New York City. New York City was our second show. Where did you play? What's well, that bar in Brooklyn with the Mexican joint right next to it. Oh, St. Vitus. Yes, we played oh, St. Vitus. That is the spot. Yeah, we got to play there with Curl Up and Die, which was awesome. Oh, man. Yeah. I wonder when, what year was that? God, 2019, maybe 2018.
0: Oh, I wonder where I was. I should have went.
2: Yeah. Curl Up and Die played two shows there. They were both sold out and we played the first night with them. Yeah.
0: So Shadow Snakes is recording right now. Do, uh, can we announce anything about the recording or is it too early?
2: Oh, it's too early. (laughs) The only thing done are the drums. So I have Uh no clue when we're going to finish that. Yeah.
0: So how are the drums? Do you approve of them? Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes. <laughs> no, they came out good. Yeah, they came out good. The songs are pretty easy, you know, compared to the Ed Gein stuff. And um, luckily, Aaron, the bass player, he kind of comes to practice with the songs fully wrote, which is new for us, because before we would, you know, it would be a super collaborative thing. Yeah. So it's way, way less, you know, stress or less pressure. And it's just a lot more fun doing it this way now at this point in our lives. So
0: why did Ed Gein decide to hang it up after all that time?
2: I don't really know. Um, We played the last two shows we played. I remember at least I didn't have that much fun having to relearn all those songs and just play the same songs we've been playing for 17 years or whatever. So I think it was just time. Did you guys have a conversation or something like, eh, I think we're done? I'm pretty sure that was the exact conversation. (laughs) Yeah, it it, it, (laughs) was... It was something like that at practice. Like, I think Aaron just came to practice and was like, hey, Edgy should just stop and we should start a new band. And I think Graham and I were just like, fine, that sounds good to us.
0: That's good. It's nice when it happens like that. And it's not some explosive end where people don't like each other anymore, you know? No, yeah,
2: we get along great still, all three of us.
0: Yeah, I mean, you guys still work together. You're still playing together. So everything must be cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, it definitely is.
0: Was there ever any difficulties, though? Like any big fights or things to overcome? I mean, you guys were playing together for a long time.
2: Yeah, there definitely were. Aaron and I would butt heads quite a bit. You know, we can both be strong personalities. Um, nothing too crazy, but one time, you know, we were on a European tour with Phoenix Bodies. There's one show, I don't remember exactly what led up to it, but Aaron and I got in a pretty big fight at that show. Oh, like yeah. physical? No, no, it didn't get to that. But it was definitely the closest to physical it could be without being physical. <laughs> yeah, Do you remember what it was over? No, I, I really don't. I think, I think the show just sucked. And we were trying to play a new song that we weren't really good enough to play yet. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those things.
0: It's funny when you look back on that stuff. I remember just being so hard headed, like, no, the part has to be this or like no the riff has to be no one cares.
2: You know, we're playing in front of like twenty Dutch kids that have never heard us or something like, Yeah, no one no one cares. It does not matter. It just doesn't matter.
1: I don't get upset about stuff like that or and I don't I always feel like I have a finite amount of energy each day and I'm gonna put my energy into things that I think are the most productive and I think like caring about things that are for the most part, like the, the the difference between playing a song really well and playing it like mediocre is just people being attentive. Like, Oh no, if you're just paying attention and like really know the part, like this is going to go well. But like, I, I feel like there's a lot of times where people take things so seriously and it's like, I, it's not that serious. Like it's, it's not as my students say, it's not
0: that deep. Don't get upset about it. (laughs) Yeah. I had a conversation with a friend recently and we talked about old bands and, you know, fights and bands ending bad and all this stuff. And I said, you know, at this point I'm 39 now, if I'm involved in any creative project, whether it be a band or a podcast or anything, I'm never going to let it ever get to the point again where I'm letting friendships get affected.
2: No, that's, that's smart. Yeah. Um, Aaron and I got, I think, our last argument probably about a year ago now, and it was something stupid that I'm sure didn't matter. I think it was over the way we were playing a part. And then, like, Graham kind of yelled at us, told us to chill out. And, yeah, we just, it's stupid to hurt a friendship like that over something that truly doesn't matter. But Aaron and I are, like, brothers, though. Like, we we love each other, but we do get it on each other's nerves every now and then.
0: Oh yeah, Tommy and I too Like, you oh, know, yeah. we've, we've gotten into it really bad We've screamed at each other on the air No, I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I Was you say, shit, did we really do that? I don't remember any no. <laughs> of this <laughs> We've only gotten in one little sort of fight About the podcast It was like over technical stuff
2: Oh, okay. that's right yeah. yeah, and that
0: wasn't even really a fight I was just like, you have to fix this And you were like, oh, he's mad <laughs> <laughs> Tommy does it the right way like, he's just kind of like, okay, this is it, okay, that's good. Like me, I obsess on things, and I want it to be perfect. And then when it's submitted, I'm like, oh, no, this is wrong, that's wrong, we have to do it all over again. How, how, how are you with these creative things, Jesse?
2: Oh, with music, I am definitely more like you, Keith. I, yeah. Try I, really hard not to be, but it's tough, man, because, like, you know, it truly doesn't matter. You know, if you play a drum part one way versus another way, No one knows, doesn't matter. But to me, it really does. And I really, if I'm going to do it, if I'm going to record it, or if I'm going to play it live, I really want to try to do it the best I can. Yes. So I do struggle with that, though, because especially with Shadow Snakes, I'm trying to really like just loosen up a lot with the way I play and with what Aaron and Graham bring to the table creatively and their suggestions. And I'm trying to really take that into account more than I ever have which is working, which is fantastic. It definitely wouldn't have happened in my 20s, though. Is there input
0: into how you should drum for songs?
2: Yeah, a little bit. So Aaron will usually write drums on um, some kind of electronic program and bring that with the song, which I actually love for this band because then it kind of gives me a base of what he's thinking with the riff. Like the way he hears the riff might be completely different than the way I heard it. And I still might try to drum to it the way I'm hearing it, but I at least have that beat that he already brought to fall back on to do it, you know, the way he's hearing it also. And we'll kind of feel out which one's better. When
0: you were younger, would you have been like, fuck you, I'm doing it the way I want to do?
2: Yeah, 100%. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Me too. And, you know, I... I'm kind of starting a band now, I think, and my perspective has totally changed because I kind of make myself not care anymore. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I'm like I want to hear everybody's idea. I want everybody to be involved. I want input from everyone. Everyone can do vocals. Like, fuck, let let's let's just have everybody contribute.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great way to do it. And, you know, just compromising. Like it's not just my band. It's not just theirs. You have to definitely take their input and kind of meet in the middle somewhere
0: yeah and it's nice to be older and be able to do that now because when i was younger like forget about it i would just like quit bands if there was a disagreement or i don't know whatever the hell else i was doing jesse when you're not roasting coffee and running three recess coffee locations and playing tennis what do you do in your spare time
2: um i like to hike a lot ah yes yeah i get up to the adirondacks as much as possible And I'll do um, climb mountains or go backpacking. And uh, I like to fish. You know, I just like being outside. So I I try to do that as much as I can. Do you do fly fishing? I do a little bit. I'm not super great at it, but I do a little bit. I always, uh, so I had a
1: kid I played lacrosse with in college. And I remember when we graduated, we went back for an alumni game, probably two or three years after we had graduated. And we were all kind of talking about like what we were doing and, you know, where we were working. And I was like, Hey, so Johnny, what are you up to? And he's like, um, and I'm tying flies. Like, I'm sorry. What do, you, what do you? What do you do? What does that mean? He's like, Oh, I started a business. I, uh, I, 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 I like make up people's fly fishing rigs. I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Really? I thought he was joking. It's unbelievably expensive. <laughs> like, it's really expensive because apparently it's like it's in it's intensely complicated and it's extraordinarily precise. And you, there's only it's kind of like. Like there's only a few people, like if if there's a hundred people that play guitar, five of them can actually do a real setup on a guitar. Like they can actually take it apart, check, you know, make sure it's true, do all the stuff that you need to do with, make sure when the fretting is prop, like, you know, proper and all that stuff. Like he was like, yeah, no, I I do it like full time. That's what I do. Like,
2: man, that's awesome.
1: Shit. Like that's a, I I didn't know that was a job. (laughs) Did you say he makes the actual
0: fly things?
1: Yeah, so there's all different types of knots that you have to use to attach these different pieces, um, yeah. and they're very specific. So I
0: think I heard a uh, This American Life episode about this, and there's like a lot of scammers out there or something.
1: Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, keep I, keep in mind this was after I graduated. You know, I was two years out of college, so 2006, 2007.
0: Jesse, it sounds like a lot of outdoor stuff. That sounds nice. You know, I, I want to try that one day because I spend a lot of time indoors.
2: You should, man. Yeah, it's, it's a blast. It's nice to get outside. You know, any day outside is better than a day inside, I think, at least.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, I'm, I'm like glued to screens, whether it be podcasting or working or whatever else. But uh, no, outside is good. It's the place to be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So what do we got coming up? We've got a Shadow Snakes record, right? We're recording it, but we're not announcing yet.
2: Correct. So that'll be done sometime that'll come out. We, Shadow Snakes, did just put out our first two releases on cassette. And then um, we have another All Else Failed tour coming up that I'm preparing for. We are touring with Boy Sets Fire on the way down to Furnace Fest.
0: Yes. Now, I will be at Furnace Fest. I'm really hoping I can, like, catch one of those shows on the way down there.
2: Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, we will not be playing Furnace Fest, but we are, you know, playing every show on the way to it.
0: That Actually, we just had All Else Failed on the show, and they mentioned that too. I was like, come on. You have to put All Else Failed on Furnace Fest. I mean, I why know. wouldn't you?
2: If I can't go to
1: Furnace Fest, I think I'm going to go to the All Else Failed. It's Gar- uh, Gar-
2: Garfield, Garwood, New Garwood. Jersey. Yeah, Garwood, yeah. New Jersey, the 22nd. Yeah, that's the first, the first date.
0: So, uh, so we've got some All Else Failed dates coming up. We've got some Shadow Snakes music. Folks, Google Shadow Snakes Band. Go and buy a physical cassette. Help the boys out. I mean, come on. And the music is great. If you're into noisy post hardcore, I love that kind of stuff. And we've got a 2018 self titled LP for Shadow Snakes. We wanna to listen to that, yes?
2: Yes. Yeah. That one was that was awesome, yeah.
0: We've got Bad at Parties, the 2019 EP, we want to listen to that. And we've got the whole Ed Gein discography on Spotify. We want to go and listen to it as much as we can. It's good stuff. Thank you, Keith. And of course, if we're in the Syracuse area, we want to stop in to recess coffee and have a coffee because it sounds like these guys know what they're doing. I mean, come on. They've got a headquarters. They've got three locations. They've got a guy who went to college to learn how to like do chemistry with coffee. They've got it all. <laughs>
1: I honestly, I I'm excited to just, I, my thing is, is like, I, I need to learn more about coffee. It's something I drink every day. And I, f- I, I, from what everybody's ever told me, like,
2: Oh, you drink curd coffee. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, really? You no know, coffee. Like anything is subjective, any kind of food. So whatever you like, you like, you know, and if you want to get into more specialty coffee, you could do it with a Keurig. They sell filters that you could brew, you know, different coffee in your Keurig. I saw that like you can buy the little. It looks like your own. Like you basically
1: fill your own uh, little container. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and you can brew over that because it's. But like my thing is just like I. Uh, I have a guy I, I work with, the music teacher, and he is really big, and he does pour overs every day. And it's funny because like, I'll walk into his classroom when he's done, like he's you know done teaching for the day because his schedule kind of like leaves him open from like two to three o'clock. And he literally has, like, a tea kettle and, like, a little hot plate. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, boiling water from my pour-over. I'm like, really? Like, right now? And he's like, yeah, do you want one? I'm like, uh, of course. Like, and he he gets it from that, um, what's the place in Philly? Reanimator, I think is what it's called. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah, that place is great.
1: Yeah, so he gets, like, ba- like he always has bags of coffee from them. So, like,
0: I'll I'll try and pop in once a week or so and steal his coffee. Nice. <laughs> So Jesse, if someone was going to open their own business, lay some knowledge on us. What are what are some do's and don'ts, and some uh, some wisdom from your perspective?
2: Oh man. Um, so my business partner and I speak at SU usually every semester. At, like we're brought in as a non-conventional way to do a business. So usually, what we tell the kids from our perspective, if you're starting with no money, don't expect to make money anytime soon. Save as much as you can and don't, you know, try really hard to not outgrow yourself. Really try to grow naturally without being adverse to taking on risk. If, if you start a business, how long, like, like the way you guys started
1: it, how long would you think most people would not be able to cut a check for themselves? Like two to three years? Like, is it like 18 months? Like how long should you plan to not pay, to not pay yourself?
2: Oh man, that's tough. So, with the deli we started with our business plan, we plan on not having any kind of profit for five years. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, we don't need to live off that though. That's just a, you know, like a side business. So, yeah.
1: Oh, but that's if that's your first business though. Holy cow. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, you could, you could probably get away with a year, maybe two, but it would be a lot safer to, you know, have some more money socked away so you can last a little longer figure living expenses for like three to five years
1: and the cost of running the business
2: yeah or you <sighs> could you know do it the way we did it and have you know like a million roommates and <laughs> I don't know that's what you have to do before. yeah yeah
0: how long was it before you stopped losing money
2: no we were making money right away but it wasn't anything because we weren't getting paid you know like we weren't getting paid or doing anything. So we were technically making a profit from year one, Mm -hmm. but we took, I think we didn't pay ourselves for two, maybe three years. We only lived off the tips we made. Wow. And Yeah. And that was it. Like, you know, I lived in Adam's dining room for like a year. Yeah. It was, it was rough at the beginning. So it it took a really long time, but technically we were making money right away. But if we had to take a salary or pay anybody, there's no way we would have been making money.
0: Right, so that touring lifestyle comes into play, like you know how to live on very little money.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and just be, you know, be stubborn, keep your head down, and eat cans of beans for dinner.
0: <laughs> did you find yourself still eating cans of beans for dinner, even after you were done touring, and like, oh, fuck, this again?
2: <laughs> no, luckily we weren't. Um, we did have some baked goods at the shop right away, so I had a lot of chocolate chip cookies for dinner in the old nice. days. Yeah.
0: So how do you how do you know when it's time to expand? Like you have the first location and we're going to
2: open a second location. How do you know it's time? We didn't really necessarily know it was time. We knew we had the means to, you know, like when Adam and I we used to do all the roasting and baking right in the retail location and we'd also serve customers and it would just be us. So the second we started getting employees and then we were able to move the roastery out of that you know retail location that's when we were able to expand that's when we had time to actually focus on the business instead of just working in it and really you know able to look at our options
0: that makes sense so it's like tommy if we had a podcast intern who did the booking and then someone else who did all the editing and then in someone else who did the social media we could like expand however you expand a podcast
1: yeah i was gonna say what's the expansion look like
0: when <laughs> you have another podcast you could, um, yeah. We could do like more episodes, another podcast, video oh, stuff. I barely have shit to talk about on here. <laughs> no, you I'm never out run of, out. You never run out of things to talk to. That's that's the beauty of you on this podcast. I'll do it if we do a math podcast. Can we do a math one? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse, uh we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, you've created and are creating a lot of music that we enjoy and uh It sounds like the business is doing great, and uh, so we just want to say thanks for your time.
2: Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for having me.
0: There you have it, folks. Jesse Dano. Excellent conversation. I loved hearing about the bands. I loved hearing about the business. We're big fans of his past work. And of course, Shadow Snakes. Great band.
1: And I also, I think it's funny that we came to the realization, like, we've seen him before. Because we saw All Else Failed right before they left for that European tour with Boy Sets Fire. So,
0: we saw him play. Yeah, like, it's weird. Like, we were talking through email and I was, I was like, setting up to get him on the show. And I didn't even realize I had seen him before. You just never know who you're talking to. You never know what's going to happen. That's what makes life so exciting, Tommy. It certainly does. It's always, let's just put it this way. It's always interesting
1: to hear. Like I I actually was thinking about this and it kind of made the connection to seeing Doug from Ecstatic Vision, Uh, like living in a way that allows you to have ultimate control over what you do on a daily basis.
0: Yes, folks, we're talking about Doug Sabolik from Ecstatic Vision. He's got quite a setup down there in Philly. Now, Tommy, tell, tell the folks a little bit about it, but don't tell them everything, because it is my ecstatic vision that we get Doug on the show at some point to lay it all on us.
1: This is the way I try to explain it to, like, my mom... I was talking to her on the phone and I said, you know, I got to see Doug over the weekend and she's like, Oh, how's he doing? And I was like, well, he's, you know, he's down in uh, Harrogate uh, in Philly. She's like, what does the house look like? And I said, the best way it looks to me is like, if you took the shot that I, I kind of can describe the best is that one from the front door all the way through. Cause his house is like a straight line. Like you can see from the kitchen into the living room, directly into the bedroom. I was like, it looks like somebody converted like a train caboose into a really rad 70s style house.
0: Yeah, everything is antique. Like he's like, "Oh, this wood is from a barn in Quakertown. this lamp is from this antique shop." This it, it was it was amazing. The whole way home, I was like, "Tommy, should I move back to Philly?" Cuz yes. cuz his whole setup was like so great. Like I maybe I could do something like that and- if I moved back.
1: And Doug is a purist when it comes to stuff like this. So Doug's refrigerator is like an old Philco model that it looks like it was the first refrigerator that that you didn't need to put a block of ice in the top of it. Like <laughs> it's it's clearly electric and it works, but it's like it might be from the it may be like the mid 60s. I should have asked him. But yeah. it, it looks like it's in like the mid sixties. Like it has a very cool art deco style to it, sleek, but it's it's clearly like house oh, is old. And I was like he's like, Yeah,
0: I'll do anything half-assed, man. <laughs> Not at all. It was inspiring. He's doing things the way he wants to do them, and he's got a whole bunch of other plans that he shared with us for different things going on with the house and everything else. It was it was nice. It was great to see people. We also saw Mike uh mike connor from ecstatic vision i love being down there and catching up with friends i feel like i'm gonna have to come back at some point i keep thinking about it
1: i feel like you should it's especially if you're like i mean my thing is is like you work remotely so where you are as long as you have an internet connection is kind of irrelevant like i feel like it would be a good it it, it would be such a good fit and then we could hang out more
0: (laughs) um i'm thinking about it i'm thinking about it there's one reason there's like one thing keeping me here basically yeah. And I just, which I told you about, and I'm just, yeah. I don't know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm done yet, you know?
1: Yeah, no, and here's my thing, go with your gut with that. Like, if you yeah. really feel like it's not over,
0: then don't let it be.
1: Like, and ultimately, you have control over that, so that's awesome. So, like, you can decide when you're done. Like, that's the best thing, so. Right,
0: like, when I had the opportunity to move out of Philly up here, I was ready. I knew I was jumping. I was, like, ready to do it. No question. So when when I reach that point again, if I reach that point again, I'll come back. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. Maybe I'll reach the point where I can have like an apartment down there and an apartment up here. What do you think of that? I think that sounds pricey. I think
1: think that sounds really expensive. Yeah. Let's put it this way. It's not that it's impossible. It just seems impractical.
0: Well, listen, if I make a lot of money one day, it'll be fine. There you go. Just become a millionaire and you don't have to fucking worry about any of this stuff. I mean, we'll see, you know, stranger things have happened. But guess what, Tommy? Twitter and TikTok are abuzz with debate about whether Anthony Green's band Sayosin is pronounced Sayosin or Sayoshin. Everybody's talking about it. Anthony himself has weighed in and said that he always says Sayoshin, but he doesn't know if that's the correct pronunciation or not. And Tommy, I've always heard you say say ocean because yeah. you were in audience of one and that's where the thing originated.
1: Yeah, I this is how I recall the story. Anthony had found the word in a book at the library at school. I it, it was either Japanese or Vietnamese, and it roughly translated to something about remaining what you are. We wish to re, we, we wish to remain what we are or something along those
0: lines. Let's try to look it up now and see if we can get a pronunciation on it.
1: Yeah, I think uh, try Vietnamese. I-, I think that's what it is.
0: I'm looking at. Uh, Anthony Green said it means careful in Chinese. Anthony Green said it means caution in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't get a straight answer.
1: Yeah, I honestly don't know. I, I mean, this is one of those things that was all Anthony. Yeah. Uh, I have kind
0: of. It kind of makes it funny and more interesting that there's like no right answer.
1: Yeah, I always thought it. I, I mean, I've always said "say ocean" just because that's what Anthony said, and yeah, it, you know, it came from him.
0: We need to get him back on the show and ask him about this.
1: Oh yeah, no, that'd be great. I actually I always love to talk to him. He's always fun. He's always an interesting guest, and he always has. We, we can always tell some. <laughs> as we start talking to each other, things start popping into our brains about things that happened when we were younger, and then, then we go on tangents. So,
0: <laughs> yes, you do.
1: that was it that was a hard episode when we were done i clicked i remember like you were like all right we got to wait for those to upload and i looked at the timer and it was like was it just under four hours i was like oh no (laughs) this is gonna be a nightmare for keith like i'm so sorry
0: no because we did two episodes
1: yeah we got two episodes out that's true yeah
0: i wouldn't put out one four hour episode no one's gonna listen to that Oh, could you imagine that? Yeah. It's too much.
1: Like, that's for, like, somebody that's like, I'm taking a four-hour drive. All right, well. No one
0: does that. Nobody. No. No one's ever driven that far. (laughs) (laughs) So, Tommy, what else is going on? You know, folks, it was really great to see Tommy and talk to his wife and kids and to see the dynamic between all the children. Ellie is, like, the in-your-face, outspoken one. Evie is the more subdued uh she seems to have somewhat of an artistic bent you know she had the mismatching socks which i really liked
1: oh yeah that's her new thing
0: yeah it looked cool and then you have the baby essie oh lord and the the baby oh man when that baby has to go to uh the preschool daycare thing she's gonna be in big trouble because she really likes to be around the mom all the time
1: i uh always think of uh there was a promo they used to run for family guy where it was Stewie standing by the edge of his bed at his mother's bed. And he goes, mommy, mama, mama, mama. And he just won't stop. That, That's
0: what the baby does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's not like, it loses its cuteness after about thirty seconds. <laughs> Not even like fifteen. It's just like, oh my word! Like, okay, yeah. Been tr- I've been doing the thing because she'll do it to me now. Like if she's trying to get my attention, da 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 da, yeah da 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 da, and I'm like, sweetie, and I just put my finger up and go just just once, just say da da, and she goes da da, and I'm like, just say it one time, and then she goes da 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 like it just gets progressively louder and more
0: <laughs> i think that baby is shy because i used to do this too showed like direct conversation through tommy and his wife L- like she'll look at you but she'll like point to tommy and be like dada and i'm like yes that is dada
1: yeah she actually and it was funny that did i don't know if i told you this she woke up the next morning after you had gone home and she was asking for you she was oh, like oh really She was like but Cause she, she made a noise for you. It was like, Bata? And I was
0: like,
1: <laughs> uh, no, he remember. And she kept trying to tell us that you drove. Like she does the steering wheel gesture for someone oh. who drove. And I was like, yeah, I drove him to the train station, but he took the train home choo choo. And then she was just like, like nodded in agreement. And then she walked away and was like,
0: choo 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 choo. <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes. That's how, that's how he went home. Okay. At, at one point I was tired. So I was laying down on the, uh, the couch under your TV, and she she gave me her favorite blanket, and she was, like, trying to put me to bed.
1: Yeah, she actually, she, and when anybody talks, she puts her index finger right in front of her lips, like, no, shh, he's taking a nap. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do nap, like, four times per day. That's insane. I'm an old, I'm like an old person.
1: Well, but here's the thing, when you nap, do you nap for, like, five, like, ten minutes, or is it, like, a two-hour ordeal?
0: Uh, it's 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 never more than half an hour. Okay. Yeah. Just in and out, real quick.
1: See, I can't fall. I I need very specific conditions to fall asleep. Yeah. So I don't ever get that during a day.
0: Well, oh no. There's no there's no napping in your house. There's a lot of activity. <laughs> it's My- not obnoxious though. Like it's 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 manageable. I've been in other situations where I'm like, I got to get out of here right now. But being at your house. Was pleasant the whole time.
1: Oh, that's really I, that, I I appreciate that because I know my mother comes over here and after about a half hour, forty five minutes, she kind of gets that thing where she starts looking at her watch. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like, yeah, uh, you ready to go? Because she's so it, she's at home with nothing. Like just just it's silence. So to be in our house is is deafening to her. Like it's just it's it's too much bustle. It's chaotic. Things are falling down, people are falling down, babies are crying, TVs are on, um, music is playing, it's It's a problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it was fine. We played Wii Party, and then after that I was like, oh, I'm going to be too tired to do anything else. But then they were on the iPads, you know, so it was like, we could chill
1: they uh they do a really good job with managing time on iPad like that's like they're they know they have a specific amount of time each day they get so they'll be like let's play roblox for 15 minutes and then then they put it down
0: and they're like that's enough of
1: that cuz i don't want it's good
0: scheduling it.
1: i i think it's a good skill to have especially with like i think that as they grow up like we're kind of you know we were the first generation that really had like smartphones that are like can consume most of your day like you can all constantly be doing that but that's new to us and most of us have encountered that in our you know late 20s and 30s uh when we have impulse control for the most part like when you're a kid and you can just kind of like zone out on something for hours and hours and hours uh it's good to be able to kind of pull yourself away from something like an iPad that you know can just be unbelievably engaging and just you know wrap your attention for hours so yeah. It's good that they're able to walk away from it.
2: I
0: was thinking about that like when you're a kid the amount of focus you can have is crazy. We used to like think about the time you would put. I used to know how to run Legend of Zelda without any maps or anything. I could just play through the whole game. I remember playing Maniac Mansion and I would like I would beat it with every combination of characters and I would even like you could like kill all the characters and I would just do that for fun. And oh. I think about that now, and I'm like, "That's funny, but that's like a waste of time." And it's an
1: enormous amount of brain power you spend in that. Yeah, I used to be able to. Uh, I I only think I beat it once or maybe twice, but I used to get really, really far in that game, um, Fester's Quest. Which was like you the- got far in that game? Yeah, I was pretty good at that. That was one of those ones I rented, and then I was like, "I need this game because I saw." Uh, in Nintendo Power, that you could get all these different weapons. Like, it looked like the one like shots, kind of like laser beams. It was like this like wiggly bar that came out from your gun. And I was like, I need this. I I need to be able to get to that. And uh yeah,
0: I got pretty good at that game. I never did like that game.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You and I have discussed this before, but like games that I got really into, you you were like, eh, like Metroid. Like you're like it's too boring. It looks the same. It's and I I went crazy for that game.
0: I got to give Metroid another shot, but Fester's Quest, I, I, there's always talk about this online, but I think maybe it was supposed to be a Blaster Master sequel. Oh. If you go go back and watch gameplay video of it, it looks the same, and it sounds the same, and the music is the same. So there's like there's theories that maybe they were losing the Addams Family license, and they had to put out a game with it to hold it, or there's, there's all these theories out there.
1: Oh, uh-huh. that's kind of cool. I have to go and look that up because that's one of those. Uh, I, I watched the thing about Super Mario Brothers 2. And that was like the.
0: Oh, Doki Doki Panic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: They just ref- they just redid it with new graphics and it was like,
0: oh, OK. Yeah. See? I'm down to the point where, like, I can look at a game and tell you who made it. Really? Yeah. Because Sunsoft made Fester's Quest and Blaster Master, and the Batman NES game. And those games have the best music. Well, I mean, in NES gaming.
1: I don't remember the music from Fester's Quest.
0: Yeah, me either, because I did, never really played it. But the music for Journey to Silius, which is another Sunsoft game, I think that's the best NES soundtrack that there is. I'm going to have to look that up, because I honestly yeah. don't.
1: I, don't I, I, I couldn't even picture that game right now. I don't even know what it looks like.
0: Yeah, and second best is the Mega Man games, and that's Capcom.
1: Oh, yeah. I only had Mega Man 2.
0: Oh, that's the best one.
1: I just, I remember somebody blew my mind when they were like, no, you have to beat them in this order. And I was like, why? And they're like, because you beat the, you know, the metal guy so that you can use the blades to cut the wood guy that you can. And I was like, whoa, that makes total sense.
0: Fuck. (laughs) It really is a brilliant mechanic. Yeah. Like that was a a revolutionary game in many ways. I love nerding out about video game stuff.
1: So wait, uh, Journey to Silius. I have to write that down because I'll I'll fucking forget that and I won't.
0: Oh, an an interesting fact about that game, Journey to Silius was supposed to be a licensed Terminator game for the NES, and then the license got stolen away from them for some reason, okay. and so they had to like convert the game to a non-terminator game but when you play through it you can you can see that it was supposed to be a terminator game oh and even though there's very little plot in the game the the music is so gripping that i imagine this entire plot on top of what they present to you and it it's like almost emotional i can't explain it it's very odd i think i'm too into this stuff tommy I don't think you are. I think it's just something that... I think it's
1: something you attached yourself to because it, it definitely... It resonates with a lot of people and brings you back to a time that was simpler in your life.
0: And you know what? Let me say this. Video games have been in a major interest for me from as young as I can remember. Some of my earliest memories are just wanting to sit inside and play Spy Hunter on ColecoVision. That was like my entryway into gaming and that's what I was obsessed with. And throughout my life... A lot of people have given me shit about video games. I remember being in, I don't know, sixth grade and everyone was like, the whole class was like torturing me because I was into video games. Like everyone decided sports were cool. So everyone made fun of me for playing video games. Uh, I don't know. I remember being in relationships and people being like, oh, grow up like that's for kids. And I'm like, "Uh, no, there's a whole industry built around it. There's adults who stream like it's it's a thing it's not just for kids so i don't know i'm happy i'm at a point where i'm like this is one of my interests so deal with it or
1: don't i thought it was funny it was uh, keith looked at my daughters and went so when's your dad getting them getting you a ps5 and what was their response keith
0: They're like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) They don't even know what it is. (laughs) They,
1: They don't even know what video games really are, except for the Nintendo games. I show them and we, like, they don't care. Like, I think that's something that, like, as they get older, maybe we'll try to introduce that a little bit more, but, like, they don't, they've never gravitated to stuff that was in the house. Everything was like, let's go outside.
0: Ultimately, that's a good thing. Yeah. Because, you know, I could stand to spend a little more time outside. But I get out enough during the week. There's plenty of things I do outside. Not outdoor activities, but I go out to see people and interact with people plenty of times during the week. But, uh, you know, this is is the way it worked out for me. And I'm happy. It's something I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Never apologize for stuff that you like. No. I don't do that anymore. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We've run out of things to talk about. We covered gaming... We covered music. Tommy, do you want to talk about teaching for the next 10 minutes? No. No, please don't. I can't. And here's the thing. I go back no, to school. No, you s- can. That's the problem. I go back to school next week, and I'm kind of... Oh, you're probably... Oh, wait, you go back to school next week? Yeah. Ooh. Are you sad?
1: Uh, no. Uh, I I I think this Anxious? is... A- yeah. I, that's where I'm getting a little bit... Like, I get bummed when... I know that the girls are home all day cuz I go back to school August 9th. They don't go back till September 3rd. Ooh. So like it that makes me a little bit like like I feel like I'm missing out on yes. like being a dad and like having fun with them, but
0: but you're not. You're you're involved parents.
1: I try. Yeah, I make, you're doing I, make good. A, I make an attempt at it.
0: It's a very nice family structure. I want to like I want to get in on that. I want to be there for, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff, you know?
1: Dude, we got a basement. We got a whole set up in the basement where you, you know, you yeah. you can always come here.
0: I'm going to worm my way into Tommy's life some more. All right, well, we're out of time, but we'll be back next week, like we always are. And uh, we will miss you in the meantime. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and until next time. Yeah!